0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the HRO Growth Show, where we believe that HROs and PEOs are the best-kept secret of small business success, that there's plenty of opportunity for all of them and every reason to grow. I'm your host, Ryan McInerney, and with me, as always, is Brandon Laws. How are you today, Brandon?
1: Hey, Ryan. I'm great, and I'm very excited for our topic today.
0: That is right. We had a little bit of opportunity to speak about this matter before getting on today's call. And I think this is going to be a very interesting dialogue for our listening audience. Uh, What's the topic today, Brandon? We're going to be talking about why HROs need to be thinking like media companies.
1: And what I mean by that is voice and video. It's hot right now. And of course, I'm coming at it through a lens of a marketer, right? So there are various channels where you could utilize audio and video to, to reach your, your audience and your customer ultimately. And that's what I want to talk about today.
0: Okay, good. And I definitely have some thoughts about that because not that I think the devil needs an advocate, uh, but I do (laughs) think that there is (laughs) definitely, but I definitely think there's a, a listener on the line who's thinking to themselves, all right, you're telling me that I need to think like a media company, but I want to be a sales organization how are you going to turn me into a media company and also make me a more profitable, successful company reaching my target market? So that's you listening right now. Know that I know you're listening and I'm going to represent your your ideas and your thoughts today. So let's dive in here. So Brandon, when you talk about voice and video, this is clearly something that is a major trend. We have all sorts of different platforms. We have devices in our homes that are connected to the internet. The internet of things is taking off. When I come home from lunch, this is my routine, Brandon. I do this every day. Come home from lunch. I walk into the kitchen and I say, Alexa, tell me the news. And Alexa goes through my pre-programmed list of my favorite news channels where I get my flash briefing. She tells me the weather. Then we get into uh, my favorite uh, radio shows, which, uh, shameless plug, I really enjoy the Ben Shapiro show. So Mm, that's my lunch hour. and, And Alexa shapes my lunch hour. And so this is a new thing. I mean, I remember buying this thing just a couple of years ago and plugging it in my house and thinking, is this spyware or is this entertainment? But I've got to say, I've gotten very used to it. It's become part of my, my daily routine. Every morning and every lunch, Alexa is part of my life now and never had been before. So I'm imagining that's in your mind, Brandon, when you're thinking about this sure. transcendence from having a device in my pocket or maybe on my desk to now this interactive AI sounding kind of tool that connects me to content providers at large. So is that is that kind of along the lines of what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think your your illustration is a good one in a sense that these channels, whether it's Alexa or Google Home or YouTube or any of these, these channels where you can push out content, it's allowing people to take control of the content that they're they're watching and they can get more of what they want so my my point in all this would be if you're if you're not there even if you're an h r o company that is like i don't know how we're going to develop content for these channels, if you're not there, the risk is that one of your competitors is, and then attention is hard for you to get because if you just have your corporate blog and you rely solely on that, then you're probably going to get lost with the saturated blogs that are out there i mean there's everybody's doing that but Is every HRO producing YouTube videos uh, at a microscopic level or are they pushing out video through Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram? And do they have flash briefings on Alexa? Can you, you know, for example, I have a podcast called the HR for Small Business Podcast. If you're on Alexa and you say, Alexa, play the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, it will come up. Right. And without having a podcast, that wouldn't be possible. And so I'm not saying everybody needs to jump into podcasting, because I think that's where you want to play devil's advocate. But what I would say is that the alternative is you're not there at all and you get no attention whatsoever. And your your audience will never find you. Because this is how people are, you know, gravitating towards content now. They're they're shaping what they're listening to and watching to all, like all the time. And if you're not there, then you could get lost. I don't know. That's my argument. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I definitely hear that. So um what I hear you saying is that if you're not someplace that you're supposed to be and your competition's there so if your customers someplace and your competitions in the same place and you're not there then you're not technically competing are you Yep.
1: well yeah i mean well, it, on those channels yes that's that's what i'm saying
0: yes right okay well here's here's what i here's what i think about this I think maybe you've got some um, clarifying for me to do, but as I think about this, Brandon, I've heard marketers my whole career say this phrase, you gotta, you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And I've heard a long, long laundry list that, that seems to kind of come and go. Items get added and items get subtracted. And for most marketers, it seems like the list just gets longer and longer of you gotta. I've got i have got to be on all the social media channels. I got to make all the different kinds of content type. We've got to have podcasting, vodcasting. All of our team needs to be on video. We need to be tweeting. We need to be posting on Facebook. We need to be active on LinkedIn. We've got to have a blog. We need to have a a relevant website. We've got to, we got to, we got to. And so, I don't know. When I hear you got to, I ask this kind of question as a cynic. I say, you know, uh, make me. Tell me why. Tell me exactly what I'm going to do and what commercial value I'm going to get for the effort. So my perspective on where you put content is first, we want to identify who we are as a brand. And that typically shapes just by knowing what kind of client we are or uh, what kind of company we are, what kind of team members we have, our age and demographics, interests, things like that, who we want to be. The next is I want to figure out who my customer is. And my customer may be everywhere, but my customer may be in concentrated places. They may be in one place or two places way, way more than they are anywhere else. And if I'm a company that's not doing a very good job of creating media or content as it is, then I don't want to try to spread my efforts across every Mm -hmm. channel. I want to find the place where I have can make the greatest amount of impact with the least amount of work. And so if I find, say, that uh, the majority of my audience are on LinkedIn, I've concluded that the majority of my audience personally is on LinkedIn. And if I've realized that the majority of my audience, when I publish a blog, I get a certain amount of activity. But when I contrast that, when I publish a podcast, I get a different level of activity. Well, then that helps me narrow down to say, all right, we're going to go in on LinkedIn and we're going to go in on podcasting or You know, I I get thousands of views on videos that I post on LinkedIn. So I go, wait a minute, if I compare blogging, blog posts against podcast posts against video posts. Okay, wait a minute. Now Mm. I'm getting two, three, 4,000 views on a single video every single time. And LinkedIn's telling me exactly which audience is attracted to that content. I have analytics around that and I can see click throughs to my website. That helps me refine. So I'm willing to experiment anywhere. I don't maintain a very strong blog and podcasting is second now for me to video. So yes, I believe that I should be in a variety of places and yes, I believe I should create a variety of different kinds of content. And yes, I think that the kind of content I create probably evolves over time as my audience shifts and moves to different places and gets pulled around the, the internet at large. But I don't think I can maintain being everywhere everywhere. At all times, mm-hmm. to try to be everything to all people. So, tell me I'm wrong. Convince me you're otherwise.
1: not wrong. I think we're a lot closer on this topic than you think. And, and when we first started recording, we are like, oh, maybe we're really far apart on this. I, I don't think I'm saying we'd be everywhere. I'm just saying, you know, the, these channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, Snapchat, all these places, it, it allows us to hop into it if we want to. But there's we don't have huge marketing departments and huge budgets to to be everywhere. What I'm saying is figure out where your audience is, go mm-hmm. there, figure out what works, and then maybe dabble in some of the other areas. And what I mean by that is email is still a huge channel for us. And most innovative yeah. marketers just say, well, email's like it's you know so '90s or whatever, right? It's it's old school, but yet we get super high click through rates and engagement from our from our clients and our audience that way. So why not maybe? integrate a little YouTube in there, you know, put a thumbnail of a video and then drive them to, to watch a YouTube video. Whereas maybe they're not searching for us on YouTube, but you take them there to see a little bit of personality and thought leadership that they might not get in just reading a long form email. So that's all of, All I'm saying really is yep. to start exploring, to create, especially if you're already creating content, why not choose some of these other channels and, and immediate types, because if you're writing like a long form blog post, maybe it could be a a micro version of it on, on a video that you could put on, on LinkedIn. You know, if that's where your audience is, why not? So I'm not saying be everywhere, but just choose where your audience is and, and try some cool, unique content that might give you a little bit of personality.
0: Right. Right. I think the operative thing there, and I'm, and I'm totally in agreement with you. So that's awesome. I think one of the things you just keep, you keep coming back to is personality, personality. Mm So, you know, what, what is marketing? Marketing is ambassadorship. It makes the intangible attributes of a brand clearly known to those who you'd most want to do business with. So, you know, a brand, an organization like you, you who is listening right now, those who have never met you before, they have no idea, you know, what you're all about. In fact, even in the sales process, the reason that salespeople are so desirous of a first time appointment is because they kind of embody the organization while they're physically there. You can kind of sense the uh, who sent them by, you know, kind of the way they look, the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they present themselves, their candor. All of these are leading indicators about what the, the, who the brand is behind them. Well, well marketing has a much more difficult job because it doesn't get the benefit on so many of the channels of that human effort, that human layer. Mm -hmm. But, we can, we can mitigate that non-in-person experience by conveying our personality through channels where more of our personality can be captured in a more organic way, which is why video is so successful and, in fact, why authentic, raw, and even messy video is the most successful because, ultimately, it's where the, the human element shows up. And, and this isn't a trend thing. This is just like a civilization thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are all humans looking to do work with other humans. And as people, we want to know who are we going to be working with. And a brand that doesn't represent its people and and the people who do not represent the brand is kind of a stale, empty shell, no matter how good the homepage looks. So when you are able to utilize these other channels that have a higher EQ, Quotient, you end up capturing more mind share of the individual when they sense that they can relate to you. Oh, I like these guys and gals. I like this. I like that these people are about. Oh, this one was fun. This was interesting. That was, oh, yeah, look at that. And when you have that, that goes way further than any other kind of text driven or static, uh, static visual driven marketing. Because marketing's job is to develop a relationship with a perfect match. It's a matchmaking process. Well, how are you going to make a match if you're hiding behind a curtain? You've got to come out front and center and really show the dynamics of who you are because you represent the organization you're a part of. I'm probably preaching to the choir, but but for you who's listening, that's something that you've got to be thinking about stepping out from behind the curtain, behind the veil, and letting people see your organization for who you really are.
1: Yeah, I want to illustrate that point exactly with uh, a company or companies that a lot of us know about. So I'm a huge sports fan and I always look Mm -hmm. at like ESPN and and places like The Ringer where there's this overarching brand. But then they have a bunch of journalists and people acting on behalf of the media. Right. So they have people that are writing articles and, and doing all these things, but they're on Twitter they, they're on video. They're doing podcasts, making you know, making the podcast circuit, and they're all acting on behalf of, you know, the mothership, ship ESPN or, or the Ringer or something like that. So that's all. I'm, all I'm saying is really like you know, I, as a, as a consumer of content, I latch on to certain journalists because I like their personality or I like their voice or I like their stance on a lot of things. But I think that's the way we're starting to engage. We're not engaging with brands necessarily. We're engaging with the people within those brands. And so when I say act like a media company, I think that's all I'm saying is like, give your people a voice, allow them to bring out a little bit of their own personality of course it needs to align with the brand if you, if it doesn't then there's obviously a bigger problem there but i think that's only going to help your your case in the marketing side is allowing your people to have a voice and con- and allowing connection i think that's what's what's going to ultimately help you out there
0: yep making an emotional connection is what it's it's all about i think we could help uh, the listeners just a, a little bit more so i think what we're saying here is we're, we're saying don't hide your people away. Uh-huh. Your people are your best asset for your marketing. The best way to get your people active in the marketing and the, the best way to leverage your team, this culture you've built, this, this organization you've worked so hard to get it to where it is today, the best way to help other people who are not your customer know why they'd like to work with you when there are other people that offer the same services you do is to allow the full personality of those folks to come front and center. And audio and video are the two best places to do that. But I think we need to go one step further. What you say once you get there is relevant. Now, I'm not just saying to be relevant, but the actual substance, in order for it to have true commercial value, uh, one of the the habits and patterns that content marketing uh, has produced is Content for the sake of content and this idea of thought leadership, uh-huh. or this idea of, um, you know, saying smart things. Like if you say smart things, then people who aren't your customer will say to themselves, you're smart and I should hire you. But that's not how it works. This is a very important formula. And it's uh, this research for for you who's listening. I would really recommend you pick up the Challenger customer. I've recommended it before. But if you haven't gotten it, I want you to go out and get it. Pick it up on Audible or Kindle if you need to to get it, you know, digital download. And the Challenger customer, which is a a companion to the Challenger sale data produced by CEB, which is now owned by Gartner, what they discovered was this that when you create content that is anything other than commercial insight, it is only helping the customer, the potential customer, be more informed about making a decision within that stage of the buyer journey for any potential solution provider. Commercial insight goes a step further than thought leadership. Commercial insight helps the individual who's reading it do three things. The first thing that good commercial insight should do is it should break down the person's mental model because the thing that you're selling is change and the status quo rears its ugly head and says, change is not painful enough. Let's just stay the way we are. I mean, change is too painful and the way we are now is not painful enough. And what you've got to do is you've got to find the hidden pain that they may not even be aware of, the hidden cost of doing business the way they're doing now. You you have to, in a diplomatic, kind, professional way, tell the customer that they are wrong. They are wrong for trying to solve their problem the way they're solving it now. They are wrong even about what their problem is. And you've got to do this over time. But when you first help them understand that what they're doing now is actually quite painful and very costly, you end up helping them release their allegiance to the status quo. And then the next thing you've got to do is you've got to help that individual recognize what would be a better alternative and help the entire group of listeners or watchers agree that there is a better way. And that, that change, the cost of change and the emotional you know, requirements of change are actually less than the pain of staying the same and come with a lot of inherent benefits. And then the third thing that you need to do, and this is the most important part, is after you've helped to convince them that they're wrong, then told them a, a right way to solve the problem. You then need to show them why you are the only person that can solve that problem, mm. especially when you are in a sea of competition. You've got to say, we understand this problem uniquely, and we are uniquely qualified to solve this problem for you if you'll let us show you how. And I'm not saying every podcast you do needs to end with pick up the phone, call mm-hmm. me today, we'll help you. But, what, but the person needs to be convinced of that even without you giving them a direct call to action.
1: Those are those are awesome points. Uh, You've convinced me for sure, but I was already aligned with you. So we we can leave it there. But what I'd say just to follow up on those points is that the downside risk of, of course, uh, making terrible content and not following the formula you just described is that all these channels that we talked about earlier Alexa, Google Home and LinkedIn, you can mute people that are creating content. So you yeah. don't have too many shots before people just start filtering you out of their feed. So focus on creating great content first. Don't focus on volume, but focus on really good content that is thought leadership focused. And definitely always a, a call to action at the end. That's so, so important. What do you want them to do with the information? And are you the mm-hmm. one that's going to help them?
0: You just made such a great point. I want you to really unpack it. You just said that it's not about the amount of content. It's about the quality of the content. Mm -hmm. Would you unpack that a little bit more? I mean, how did you come to that conclusion? Because you just said something that's totally countercultural to what most marketers are saying today. They're saying more, more everywhere, all the time. If you ask Gary Vaynerchuk right now and you said, should you go on this channel or that channel? This many times a day or, or that many times a day, he would say, both all go.
1: Yeah, and, and that's actually a really good example. So like Gary Vaynerchuk, I love his content, but I was so tired of hearing him on all these channels that I honestly I unsubscribed to a lot of his stuff. I felt like I was hearing the same message over and over again. So, And I think he knows that. It's just that he's looking to capture new audience members. And maybe that's what he's trying to do there. But going back to to the point that should you be everywhere, you're at risk of oversaturating your current audience. I think if people hear your message way too many times, I think that's there's more risk to that. And then they might just find you annoying and they can filter you out. So I think I would focus on a couple different channels and you know several different messages, always creating new evergreen content, uh, something that's actionable. I, I really think that if you start small and choose your channels where your audience may be, that would be better than using the same content and blasting it across 10 different channels, let's say. That would be my philosophy. And especially if you're As an HRO, like if you're really overwhelmed, like I don't have the staff to be able to create a bunch of content across all different channels. Well, then don't don't do that. Create a little bit of content and choose channels that work for you.
0: So I'm going to I think we can we're going to boil this down so that everybody has got some good actionable steps. I think you've shared a lot of really good insights here today, Brandon. So it sounds like the first thing is, is you need to figure out who you are and what kind of content that would be the kind that would really resonate with your internal team. Uh, with an emphasis on voice or video or both, I think you need to figure out, okay, knowing that, w- which audiences do we need to reach that are our ideal customers? Where are they? Where do we see them engaging, interacting with our competition and even not with our competition? If they're there and we can capture their attention and be you know, the first in on this, then great. So we're going to focus on who we are. We're going to figure out where our customers are. We're going to produce the kind of content that we get excited about that would be unique on that channel, then we're going to create content that is based on commercial insight, not just you know fluff or just kind of putting out a random message, but something that's substantive that will help people change the way they think. They'll end up saying to themselves, wow, I never thought of it like that before. That was a really unique insight. That may change the way I do things. The commercial insight doesn't come very frequently. It's not something you can bruise maybe even every day. So when you do produce it, make sure it's commercial insight and only as often as it needs to be created. Always go for the quality over the quantity. I think that's a really good playbook for people to gravitate to. It gives it kind of a good step-by-step structure and kind of like the skeletal uh, structure for this. that's, That's really, really helpful, Brandon. So with that framework in mind, and we did say that maybe Gary Vaynerchuk wasn't the best example because um, he's you know he's got a whole content team behind him and all that. But uh, bringing it down a notch to ordinary companies, ordinary mortals, what is an organization that you know of that our listeners could go check out today that would be a good example of a company acting like a media company?
1: Yeah, the one that comes to mind for me, Ryan, is, is Drift and their, their service is a, it's a live chat plus a lead bot component to, to their tool. We talked about them on another episode, but over the last mm-hmm. year or two, they've just been killing it. Like they empower their team to act like a media company. Like they have their sales people, their marketers, they're all on LinkedIn doing selfie videos. They're, they have three, four podcast channels. They're doing videos like this is what I'm talking about. Like they're just everywhere. And what they're saying, I I mean, I agree with it. And so it's a it's a way that it's a I've aligned with their message and naturally have aligned with their brand as a result of it. So I, I would go check them out. Drift.com, uh, really cool company, cool people. I think um, you'll learn a lot from them, if anything else, if maybe you don't see eye to eye with their brand. But I think you can learn from some of the tactics they're using
0: definitely i mean they're they're on my linkedin every day i mean it's like part of my daily linkedin routine is yep. to see somebody from drift you know sharing another person from drift's information or content or whatever and I, I definitely agree drift is a good example you know another one that comes to my mind is sales Gravy. sales Gravy, you know they're they're kind of new in the peo and hro space but uh, jeb blunt is the uh, is the uh, man at the helm there and i know that he has moved and positioned the company to be more like a media company so they're on youtube They've, you know, they've actually got a conference now going called Outbound, but they've got a regular everyday, uh, they've got LinkedIn uh, videos that are coming out they've got a podcast that they run, an email that distributes the podcast. And so pretty much, you know, I can see in my inbox and my, my newsfeed uh, on a daily basis content that's coming out. So I can never forget those brands. I mean, they become a staple of my day, just like Alexa. And that is exactly what you want your prospects and customers to do with you. You should be a staple in their day and your content should be continuously, incrementally moving them closer to buying from you. Yes, I know you just want to sale right away. Yes, I know you just want to drive leads tomorrow. And all that is possible. But in today's era where we are now, the marketing can help sales By building up familiarity so powerfully that when your salespeople reach out, call, make an introduction, position themselves, you are already someone that they're comfortable with. You do not want to come in cold. If cold calling is dead, so is cold marketing. You've got to warm it up. You've got to turn it up. And Speaking and thinking of getting warm, it is absolutely freezing outside. I'm in Florida here, down in Naples. You're in like Oregon and we've got people who are literally today. The report is that it's going to be negative 60 degrees at the time of this recording up in Michigan. I've got family That's up there insane. and all I, it's the coldest. I think it's been in like recorded history and I think it's going to be colder now in Ohio or, or what have you than it is in a Antarctica. So with that in mind, There are probably some folks listening here in that zone that are like in their house or in their car stuck and they're listening to this and they're thinking, I got to get out of here. Well, it's not immediate, but the Pace Annual Conference is happening in Destin, Florida. We're talking right there on the sandy Gulf Coast beaches, April 28th to May 1st. There's some great guest speakers are going to be there. John Nisley from Tricor Technology, Brad Adams from Sales Gravy, Torben Madsen, John Slavik. Yours truly, along with some others, going to be announced all throughout the next few weeks. And the concept, the, the whole thing, if you've never been to the Pace Annual Conference, this is a friends before competitors environment. This is the number one place where PEO senior leaders, they go, they share their ideas, their successes, and their opportunities in a way that's more transparent than you've probably ever seen anywhere. It's a really, it's a great time. It's a lot of fun. I love the... All the different events that they have there, but I I love the auction. It's an uproarious time. It's a really good time. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to have to assume that you're in sales marketing or technology in the HRO space. And if you're a PEO, then you have got to get down to the PACE annual conference and check it out. Brandon, I'm hoping that you're going to make it. And I, I look forward to hearing everybody who's listening that's going to be able to make it. The PACE annual conference. April 28th to May 1st in Destin, Florida, just a few months away, escape the cold and come down and join us. So with that, Brandon, I think we are wrapped up here today for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Ryan. This is a really fun discussion. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I I really appreciate uh, that we were able to kind of flesh out both sides of the issue. And we'll get back together here again next week. We're going to bring on some special guest speakers for you that, uh, that we'll be announcing through LinkedIn on our HRO Growth Show page. So make sure you're looking out for that. Thank you so much for listening today. And this has been the HRO Growth Show with Ryan McInerney and Brandon Laws. Thanks for listening.